1: Noticed, but we are in the midst of a presidential campaign. Even if you have noticed that we're in the midst of a presidential campaign, I'm betting you haven't noticed that the media right now is trying to tell you. Who the major candidates are. And when I say the media, I don't generally, I don't just mean the mainstream news networks that you so often hear villainized on talk radio. No, even uh, conservative outlets like Newsmax, Fox News, talk radio to some extent, they have tried to make the contest in general and the Republican primary contest specifically a contest between one, two, maybe three people. But in doing so, Not only are a lot of great ideas being ignored, but a lot of great people that might inspire people to become more active in politics or want to learn more about the presidential process are being ignored. One of those candidates that I don't feel has gotten nearly enough attention. And look, I hope we have every presidential candidate on this program, Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever, from uh, Joe Biden to Afro man and everybody in between. One of the candidates that I don't feel has gotten nearly enough attention is a legendary radio and TV talk show host, a former candidate for governor of California, a man who's likely to soon be in the National Radio Hall of Fame. Gentlemen, I've had the privilege of knowing for over a decade, the one and only Larry Elder. Larry, thanks so much for coming back on the program.
0: Well, Frank, thank you so much, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. And I couldn't agree with you more. It's not like I crawled out of a rock somewhere. I've been doing TV and radio for 30 years, Uh, I'm a New York Times bestseller author. I've had a weekly column since April of 1998. I think I missed one week until I suspended it twice to run for governor and to run for president. That's 1,200 columns. I've done about 30,000 hours of radio. I pride myself on taking calls from people who dissent. So I've been talking about conservative ideas and writing about them uh, and interviewing people about them for the last 30, 30 40 years. And uh, when I ran for governor, she pointed out, I got three and a half million votes. On the replacement side, because you know it was a two-part deal, the first part is, do you want to replace Gavin Newsom? Uh, And if 50% plus one had said yes, I would have been governor of California because I got uh, 3.5 million votes, 49% of all the votes that were cast for the so-called replacement side of the ballot. The next highest finisher was 9%. Uh, In eight weeks, I got in with only eight weeks left. I raised $27 million, more than the other 45 replacement rivals combined. Uh, California has 58 counties. I carried 57 to 58. The only one I lost was San Francisco. I lost it by 149 mm-hmm. votes. And Frank, get this I did not get endorsed by the state party. I did not get endorsed by the national party. They did not give me one dime. And after it was obvious I was a front runner, I didn't even get any verbal support. Out of all of the congressional House members in California, Republicans, two verbally supported me. A a woman named Michelle Steele uh, and a guy named Doug LaMalfa. All the rest of them stayed out of it because Kevin McCarthy said the guy we want to uh, lead this charge is a guy named Kevin Faulkner, who is a two-term mayor of San Diego. Frank, I carry San Diego County by 30 (laughs) points. So, So, you know, I I, uh, no. I mean, obviously, it's, it's a little irritating. So it's a little irritating that I am often excluded from polls even though i've got the 1% that's necessary for me to qualify for that first debate next uh, next month well, in I, Milwaukee I, I, speaking, I, speaking of which and now shut up speaking yeah. of which I need 40,000 individual donors. Go to my website, LarryElder.com. You can donate as little as $1 in order for me to qualify for that first debate next month. And I'll be talking about some of the issues that Frank and I are going to get into in a few minutes. Well, so
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because I want to ask you about that debate criteria in a second. And uh, people just uh, keep in mind, if you give a dollar to Larry Elder, even if you're not sure who you're going to vote for yet, or even if you just think Larry brings some value to the debate stage, you're helping him get to that debate stage by if you're one of those 40,000 contributions. Larry, you alluded to a couple of highlights from your illustrious career. New York Times bestselling author, a legendary radio and TV talk show host. You've also been a, um, an attorney. You actually have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I think you're the only person in the race other than Trump that has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You've got a lot going on personally, professionally. Your media career was skyrocketing after that California gubernatorial candidacy. Why, with everything you have going on... Why make the decision to run for president? I know what goes into running for any office, especially a national one. I know the toll it can take in terms of time, it's sometimes in terms of your finances, in terms of energy. Why make that sort of a sacrifice to run for president? Why is this so important to you? Well, Frank,
0: you're right about the toll it takes on, on energy, on time uh, and on finance. I mean, I, I'm not a multi centimillionaire millionaire. I'm not a billionaire. Uh, I still have bills. This is a huge, huge sacrifice for me. And you don't get it back. I'm doing it because I give a rip about the country. My dad was a World War II uh, uh, Marine veteran. Uh, He served on Guam. My older brother Kirk was a Vietnam-era veteran. He was in the Navy in the Sixth Fleet um, in the Mediterranean. Uh, my little brother, Dennis, was actually in Vietnam in the Army. I'm the only one that didn't serve, frankly. I never felt good about that. This is my opportunity to give back to my party and, more importantly, to give back to my country, and that is why I'm doing this. I'm running as a America First, Make America Great Again guy. I've already pledged whoever the nominee is, I will support him or her. If the nominee is the current front runner, I will do what I did in 2016 and 2020, and that's support him or campaign with him and for him uh, if asked to do so. But there are some things that we are are not talking about Frank and it just drives me nuts that we're not number one The epidemic of fatherlessness, 70 percent of black kids now enter the world without a father in the home, married to the mother. That's up from 25 percent back in 1965. In fact, 25 percent of white kids are now entering the world without a father in the home, married to the mother. And 65 is important because that's the year that Daniel Patrick Moynihan published something called the Negro Family, a case for national action. Uh, A lefty who later on became a, a Democrat senator from New York. Uh, He talked about how horrible it was that so many black kids entered the world without a father in the home married to the mother. And to that end, Lyndon Johnson launched a so-called war on poverty. And what we've done since then is we've incentivized women to marry the government and incentivized men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. And many of the problems we talk about whether it's crime, whether it's bad schools, are all, all downstream from this. And the stats are clear. When you're raised without a father, you're five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. And nobody's talking about it. The left is not talking about it because they caused it. We don't talk about it because we fear being called racist. Or if you're a black person talking about it, you're going to be called, as the LA Times called me, the black face of white supremacy. And then there's this big, horrific lie that America remain systemically racist. It's a lie, Frank, that's pushing stuff like uh, reparations and race-based preferences and critical race theory and diversity, equity, inclusion, but it's a lie getting people killed. It's called the Ferguson effect or the George Floyd effect, and that's a phenomenon of cops pulling back all over the country for fear of being called systemically racist. And as a result, in the last several years, there were thousands of people who were dead or who have been physically injured, who otherwise would not be dead, would not have suffered if the police had been doing their normal proactive policing. This is a lie that Democrats push and push and push because they want to get Black people angry and thinking about social justice and equity, however you define that, rather than crime, rather than bad schools, which brings me to the the next thing let's just take a couple of cities baltimore 13 public high schools frank in baltimore zero percent of the kids can do math at grade level i kid you wow. not another half another half a dozen only one can chicago Fifty three government schools in Chicago. Zero percent of the kids can do math at grade level. Yet the Democratic Party opposes school choice. Uh, you've got some very good charter schools in your state of New York. They oppose school choice because one of their biggest funder, if not their biggest funder, is the teacher's union. And they're adamantly opposed to school choice. So this is a party of, of slavery, of the Confederacy, of Jim Crow, of KKK, the party of the, the Dred Scott decision, the party that destroyed the family, and the party that is now maintaining a monopoly on education uh, in urban schools, uh, me- meaning that black kids are getting a substandard education. It is outrageous. And if I can get those issues front and center, Frank, I will feel that I've given back to my party and, more importantly... I'll give them back to my country. And that is why I'm doing this. If people
1: are uh, just tuning in, we're talking with Larry Elder, a Republican candidate for president. You can learn more about his candidacy at larryelder.com. You can also help him make the debate stage by uh, kicking in a dollar. You alluded to the front runner, Donald Trump, and you mentioned the similarity of your message this year with his candidacy in 2016 and 2020. It's clear you're not running sort of a, a Christie style anti Trump campaign. And a lot of the people who follow you on Twitter, when you You uh, talked about uh, trying to get the 40,000 donors to meet the debate stage and that you were coming on this radio show, which I appreciate. They and these are people that follow you on Twitter, many of whom like you. Person after person said Trump, Trump and only Trump. Another person said 2028 would be a better option. There's a Republican train in the form of Donald Trump that's due his rightful seat in 2024. A whole bunch of other people saying that they love you. They really like your message, but therefore Trump. Obviously, there's some serious stylistic differences between you and Donald Trump. In terms of substantive policy differences between yourself and Donald Trump, is there anything that really stands out as uh, separating the two of you on the issues?
0: No, and there are some minor things, but they're minor. What I'm trying to do is to get whoever is the nominee to talk about the things you and I just now talked about. And I would add a couple of other ones too. We need to have an amendment to the constitution to fix spending to a certain percentage of the GDP with the exception for war and for natural disaster. Both parties spend. Government's gotten bigger under Ronald Reagan. It got bigger under George Walker Bush. It got bigger under W. It got bigger under Donald Trump. One of the reasons is because the so-called entitlement programs are on automatic pilot. Even Bill Clinton and Barack Obama used the word unsustainable to describe them but nothing gets done because if you run promising to reform this reform that you will lose elections and number one thing for politicians is to get elected the number two thing is to get reelected the only way to truly restrain spending so that uh, our our kids and grandkids uh, are not facing even bigger deficits uh, is to have a law that prevents Congress from spending beyond a certain percentage it'll take uh, the president to push that from the bully pulpit but the constitution has been amended on average every 10 years since it's been ratified. And then we got to do something about the soft on crime, George Soros back DAs all over the place, including where you are Alvin Bragg in New York. we got one in Philadelphia. we got one in Baltimore, uh, one in St. Louis resigned uh, here in LA. We've got one in San Francisco and I'm proposing model legislation, which I put on my website, larryolder.com Frank to set up commissions Uh, of retired judges, retired DAs, so citizens can bring complaints when bad guys are not being properly uh, handled. Uh, and then recommendations can be made to remove these soft, crime George Soros DA. So if we can talk about the lie that America systemically raises, uh, the 10,000-pound elephant in the room, which is the epidemic of fatherlessness, the need for school choice, the need to restrain spending, and the need to get rid of these soft, on crime George Soros DAs. And if I can get whoever the nominee is to begin talking about these things, I have contributed. I've done my job. And I exit stage left or okay. stage right.
1: (laughs) My my last question, uh, mentioning President Trump, just because it's very much in the news today. The news came out yesterday that he's received a a target letter and that he may be indicted in this uh, January 6th probe. This would be his third indictment Uh, with each of the two previous indictments. His fundraising went up, his poll numbers went up, uh, his uh, political adversaries may be indicting him straight back to the White House. One, I'm curious what your reaction was to this uh, news of a likely indictment, and if you are elected, do you think you'd be likely to pardon President Trump?
0: Uh, I was not surprised by this news. Uh, this is a, a two-tiered judicial system. Uh, the, Trump has been under fire in ways I've never seen any politician. That he's been able to weather this is just absolutely amazing. And yes, when I become president, I will absolutely pardon him. This is absolute BS. And, um, you know, Hillary clearly violated the Espionage Act with their server in her basement on which she sent and received classified information. Uh, and James Comey does this big presentation. At the end of it, he says she lacked the intent to violate the law. Well, the, pr- the provision that she violated doesn't even require intent, yet she skated. Uh, the DNC, and she paid for the Steele dossier, wrote it down as legal expenses. Uh, Donald Trump uh, paid Stormy Daniel and wrote it down as legal expenses. He's facing state criminal charges, she got a slap on the on the wrist by the FEC. I can go on and on and on. The suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story, the use of all $419.5 million of Mark Zuckerberg money to get out Democratic turnout to hurt the Republican turnout. All these things, the two-and-a-half-year collusion uh, BS that Donald Trump had to deal with. I can go on and on and on about how states like Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin use COVID to change rules. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why people are angry. There's a lot of reasons why people are backing Donald Donald Trump, they feel he's under siege, under siege in an unfair way, and they don't want to put up with him. I get that. I'm, all I'm saying is these issues that I just mentioned with you, Frank, in the last several several minutes have got to be brought up. And if I don't bring them up, if I can get others to start talking about them, then I've done my job.
1: I think you should certainly be on that debate stage. And uh, I know you mentioned that you're trying to get to the 40,000 donors necessary. Do you think that that's a fair debate criteria that the RNC has set up? And if not, what would be a better criteria for for determining who gets to be on that debate stage?
0: Well, the first part of your question is, no, I don't think it's fair. Uh, In 2020, the uh, Democrats required you to have 1% or a certain number of donors, not both, which were required. And by the way, you also have to turn over your donor list to the RNC. So you're spending money to get these donors and then you turn over the list of the RNC so they can then fundraise off your list. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the better system would be. It didn't seem like uh, it hurt 2016, even though we had 17 candidates. Somehow Donald Trump picked them off one after another, and the republic survived. So I'm not quite sure at this early juncture we need to be having uh, a whole lot of uh, standards to prevent other people from running. I can understand how it might be the case down the road, but early on, the voters ought to decide who's a friend candidate and who's a relevant candidate. And I just feel that, what they're what they're requiring is unfair. I've heard from some of the other candidates that they're having difficulties, too. And these are elected officials, in some cases, officials that have been elected and reelected. And they're having difficulty coming up with 40,000 individual donations. So I think it's unfair. and uh, I think you're depriving the American people and the Republican Party in particular of bringing forth some issues uh, and some innovative ideas that I think will strengthen the party.
1: You have not gotten the same sort of media coverage, both in terms of volume and quality, that Donald Trump has gotten, Ron DeSantis, even folks like uh, Tim Scott, Chris Christie, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Mike Pence. I'm curious if you have a theory as to why the media hasn't given you the kind of equal coverage that some of the other candidates have gotten. And I'm curious if you have a theory as to why so many of these polls – don't include you in the question.
0: Well, the L.A. Times referred to me as the black face of white supremacy. Another L.A. Times columnist, Frank, referred to my views as white supremacist. Uh, A local black talk show host in L.A. that I interviewed with when I ran for governor referred to my views as anti-black. So I, I, I don't know why that I'm, I'm being treated this way. I mean, my goodness, for a while, the recall was in the orange of error. I got outspent about seven to one. California is the biggest state uh, in the union. I was running for a job that would have made me the leader of what, if it's We're a separate country, the fourth largest economy in the world. So I think I'm not getting enough respect. I feel like Ronnie Dangerfield over here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, George Will mentioned in his column over the weekend that he expects the Republican nominee to be someone other than Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis because he thinks that um, people just don't like a preordained choice. They like to, whenever it looks like something's going to happen, they like to go the other way. I know we're uh, we're almost out of time, but I'd love to do with you, Larry, because I'd love to give folks an idea of where you are and a lot of hot button issues that are that are being discussed by people and by candidates is if we could do sort of a lightning round on five or six of the the issues that a lot of the candidates are talking about and a lot of voters are curious about are you down i'm down okay ukraine situation what are we doing
0: uh putin's already lost this war uh the experts expected this to last for a few days maybe a few weeks he's lost around 200,000 troops. Uh, that would be the equivalent in American terms of us losing almost 400,000 troops. It was an attempted coup. Uh, his economy is in free fall. About 20 generals have either been killed on the battlefield or have been uh, disappeared. Um, and China has leaned on him to prevent him from using nuclear war. He's looking for an off-ramp. I believe we ought to put pressure on both sides to give him the off-ramp.
1: Was the first step back the right thing to do? Would you uh, pull that back if, if you're elected president?
0: Well, keep in mind, we wouldn't be having this conversation if uh, Joe Biden hadn't pulled out the way he did from Afghanistan, leaving $80 billion worth of equipment, uh, leaving stranded hundreds of Americans uh, and collaborators, not even telling our allies and encouraging Putin because Putin perceived him properly to be a weak commander in chief. That said, I would have uh, gone along with the West providing some material to uh Uh, to Solinsky to fight this man uh, and to uh, uh, prevent him from keep going. You know, if he had, Topple Ukraine, he then would have, in my opinion, possibly gone uh, even further uh, and threatened NATO countries, which would have invoked Article 5, uh, an attack against one is an attack against all. So I think that uh, giving Got him it. some arms ammunition early on was, was a smart thing to do. But at this point, I think we should try to put pressure on both sides to, to, uh, to end this. Thing. The,
1: the Bipartisan First Step Act on criminal justice reform that President Trump signed, was that the right move? It's been criticized by some conservatives.
0: Well, it, it was it was bipartisan. Uh, even uh, Van Jones on CNN criticized it. Uh, he feel, supported
1: it. Uh, Van yeah, Jones.
0: yeah, right. yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, I think about five thousand men, mostly black men, and had their sentences reduced an average of around 70 months by the time Donald Trump left. Uh, it seemed to me it was the right thing to do. Obviously, you're, you're running a risk that some of these people are going to going to re- reoffend once they're released. But it seems to me that many people had Very long, long drug offenses that were not violent offenses. And I've got no problem in uh, in the First Step Act.
1: Social Security. Do we need to gradually raise the retirement age?
0: We need to ultimately uh, privatize it, which is what George W. Bush uh, tried to do. To allow people to privatize a portion of their contributions, he got hammered, uh, and the Republican Party did what they what, what is one of their favorite things to do, uh, which is to run for the hills, and they abandoned <laughs> him. and Nancy Pelosi said he, said that he gave her a political victory because once you. Uh, Even talk about tampering with Social Security, they're going to scream the P word, privatized, uh, and nothing gets done. Even Bill Clinton set up a commission, and the commission suggested either getting a better rate of return, which is privatization in part, or changing the rules of eligibility, or both. Something's got to be done.
1: President Trump has hammered Ron DeSantis on his prior support of the fair tax. Where are you on the fair tax?
0: Don't get me started on taxes. Uh, we are taxing way too much. Uh, in 1900, at all three levels, Frank, government took around 9% from the American people. Now it takes 32%. That's why I'm proposing an amendment to fix spending to a certain percentage of the GDP, uh, so that government gets down to the proper size and taxes can therefore be reduced.
1: Is climate change real, and is nuclear energy a way to address climate change? Uh, the
0: climate is always changing. Climate climate change alarmism uh, is is a is is BS. Uh, The idea that in 10 years, 15 years, 12 years, all these predictions, uh, the climate's going to implode are are nonsense. I remember in the 70s when I was in college, uh, there was a cover story on either Time or Newsweek, I forget which one, called the big freeze. And the same kinds of people today were predicting that the the climate is going to go into this big chill. Um, So uh, uh, nuclear, I'm an all all the above guy. And even Gavin Newsom has now stopped. What was going to be the shutdown of the last remaining nuclear power plant here in California, because at one time we got around six or eight percent of our energy from nuclear. And now pretty soon we, we get zero and we're having rolling brownouts uh, because we haven't really uh, done the right kinds of things on our energy grid. So, yes. Uh, I I support nuclear. Uh,
1: There's a lot of people believe the abortion issue cost the Republicans some key elections in 2022. Mike Pence says he is enthusiastic about supporting a national abortion ban. President Trump hasn't said what his position would be on that. Where's Larry Elder on the question of a national abortion ban?
0: I I agree with you. The uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade, which is a proper thing to do hurt us in in the midterms. I don't agree with a national abortion ban because uh, the issue was always a state issue until the Supreme Court took it up in 1973. And it seems to me we're being hypocrites by saying uh, Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided because it took away this issue uh, that was in the states. Now let's have a national law for it. I'm a pro-life guy. I believe that life begins at conception, but I believe every individual state
1: should make their determination. Daylight saving time: make it permanent, do away with it, or keep it the way it is now.
0: I haven't given that any thought. I have no idea.
1: Okay. (laughs) Finally, Larry, a lot of the cynics, even people that agree with you, some people may say that um, you're doing this, meaning running for president, in order to garner publicity. Other people have done that before. Al Sharpton, Alan Keyes, they both got TV shows from this. Mike Huckabee got a TV show after running for president. Is there any element of publicity seeking in running for president?
0: Frank... I've given up my TV show. I've given up my radio show. I've given up my column. I've given up a great deal of money that I was making from this. And as I said earlier, I don't get it back. All the things that other people uh, perhaps might have run to get, I've already had, I'm losing them. And with no guarantee, I'll get back my column. I was in 80 different outlets. No, guarantee. what they do is have a, 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 a guest columnist uh, until I come back. This time I'll be off for a whole year. The other time I was off just eight weeks. As I mentioned, there's no guarantee I get my TV show back There's no Guarantee, I get my radio show back. I'm doing this because I give a rip about the country. As I said earlier, I need to give back. At my age right now, where I'm still energetic and still enthusiastic, I can still do this. This is why I'm doing this. By the way, I do have a book. I guess some people could argue I'm trying to sell a book, but I had the book before I decided I was going to run for president. It's called As Goes California My Mission to rescue the Golden State and save the nation. And it's about what our one party, uh, Democrat Party, has done to the state of California in terms of crime, in terms of homelessness, homelessness in terms of the price of, of, uh, of a home. Average price in California, 175% above the national average, and people are leaving California for the first time in 170 years. And my book talks about that.
1: Larry Elder, check him out, LarryElder.com. Learn more about his ideas. You can contribute to help him get on the debate stage. Larry, one election which you're a cinch to win as I know you're on the ballot right now to be in the National Radio Hall of Fame. I don't see you losing that by a country mile. So uh, best of luck to you in both the presidential race and the National Radio Hall of Fame election. I hope we get to talk a lot between now and the election.
0: You know where to find me, Frank. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you,
1: Larry Elder.